Welcome to Financially Ever After, where award-winning and nationally recognized financial expert Stacy Francis will bring you savvy tips and words of wisdom on how to secure your financial future before, during, and after divorce. For 30 minutes every other week, you'll hear personal stories from women who have either faced or are currently facing this transition. In addition, you'll also soak up knowledge and inspiration from the industry's top legal, financial, residential, and mental health professionals. And now here's our host, Stacy Francis. Thank you, Steve. It's great to be here. And welcome, welcome to Financially Ever After. We are a podcast that every other week we bring to you fantastic individuals who are experts in the area of divorce, talking about everything you need to know, financial, legal, emotional, anything you could need to make sure that you get through this process as healthy and as whole as possible. And we also bring to you very special women who are bravely sharing their personal stories their story of going through divorce and triumphing over the difficulty and starting their new journey. And one of those really important, amazing women is with us today, Michelle Anderson. And I have to say she is such an inspiration. She does so much uh, in her career as well. She's a speaker, she's an author, She's the founder and executive chair and CCO of Love Over Addiction. It's a movement and a community for women who love someone that drinks too much or suffers from addiction. Michelle was once married to a very good man, but he struggled with drugs and alcohol And she researched help to try to find the answers. And she did this for 10 years and couldn't find anything that really made sense to her that fit her style or met her needs. So as what any empowered, amazing woman does, she set out, she created her own program that would teach other women how to find self-love, confidence, and the joy, whether their loved ones get sober or not. At this time, she has a very full life. She had three young children, and now she has a little bit more time where childcare doesn't have to be the top, top priority as they've grown a little bit older. Um, So now she's able to really dig in deep and to develop this program. So I'm really excited to talk to you today and very excited to have you here, Michelle. Mm, Thank you for having me. That was beautifully done. So I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. So, you know, what's your story and how, um, you know, what draws you to join us today to to share your your story and your experiences? Well, like you, you beautifully put, I was married once to a very good man who suffers from addiction. Um, I was with him for 10 years and had three children um, and um, kept it a family secret because I wanted to protect him. So I was basically living a lie. I was, all my friends and family looked like I had a beautiful, wonderful life. 
Um, look, I had the cars, the home, um, the well-behaved kids, but nobody knew that behind closed doors, um, it was uh, very dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Um, that there was tons of drugs and drinking and yelling and um, just a lot of anger and a lot of hurt within those walls for all of us. And addiction was really destroying our family. And so when um, after 10 years, I decided I needed to go. I finally reached that point that a lot of women that are getting divorced reach where it's our own personal rock bottom. And we say, enough, I cannot do this anymore. And we, I became willing to do whatever it took to leave. I was, hadn't worked in seven years. Um, I had three kids and as a you know, those women who love somebody suffering from addiction know addiction is expensive. So I was completely unaware of what our finances looked like. Um, but despite all of the obstacles that were in front of me, I was absolutely determined to start a new life for me and my kids um, that was, was a lot more peaceful and a lot more mentally and emotionally stable. Mm-hmm. And so that was when I left, when I was thinking about leaving, I remember being in a bookstore because I love research. And I remember looking through the shelves of the self-help section and seeing all these beautifully written memoirs of men and women who were super brave and had struggled with addiction um, and gotten sober. But there was no books out there of women who loved them. And Mm -hmm. I thought that evening in the bookstore late at night with all these books all over the floor, if I ever figure out what it takes to leave, I promise that I will dedicate the rest of my life to educating other women who are in my same position. Mm -hmm. And so that's how the Love Over Addiction community started. Um, and it's now 20,000 women and we're in over a hundred different countries and it's just this amazing movement that's grown from that one little seed and that one little promise, you know, late at night in a bookstore. Mm. So Michelle, this is a topic that is definitely not discussed, not even really discussed behind closed doors. And we go through life not realizing that many of our friends, maybe even dear friends, are struggling with a spouse that has an addiction issue. What do you say to them? How, how, what would you say to them? How do you support them? Because this is um, this is real stuff, and like you lived through, it it can be so toxic. It really can, and you know who they become. While they might be a nice person when they're sober, it's it's not necessarily the case when they they are not. 
Yeah, that's a great question. Here's what I would say to them. Um, as a friend or as a family member, um, the worst thing you can say to them is to tell them to leave or to guilt them to stay. Um, that's the end of the journey. They will come to that decision in time. But where to start is why and how did you get in this relationship in the first place, right? Because most healthy women I know run into a relationship and if they are attracted to somebody with dysfunctional habits, when we get the red flags, if you mm -hmm. are healthy, yeah. place, you're walking away. But it's the unhealthy woman that sits there and says, well, I can fix them. Well, if they love me enough, I can make them change. Um, there's some craving underlying all of us that says somehow our worth depends on the amount of love someone offers us. And so as a friend and family member, I would always say just listen without judgment and make it a safe spot for them to say exactly how they're feeling. That's all mm -hmm. we really are looking for. Um, and also to your, what you, I think Stacy, what you do so well is get educated. Like for me, before I even announced to anybody that I was leaving, I spent a year preparing. Um, before I even arrived at that decision, I said, okay, what areas in my life do I need to get educated about? And mm -hmm. number one, one of the top three was finances. Um, so addiction, as I mentioned, is really expensive and addiction is controlling. So it doesn't want women to know where the money's going. Because if we knew where the money was going, if we added up all the DUIs, all the bar bills, all of the, the withdrawals from ATMs, all the lawyer fees, um, if we did the math, there would be a huge issue, right? The, mm -hmm. Yeah. It would be very clear that that person has a problem and the gig would be up. And, you know, if as long as you don't know money's being spent on it, then, then maybe it doesn't exist. Maybe right. there isn't a problem. Right. We can live in denial because denial is very, very comfortable. Both of us, like the person addicted and the person loving that addiction. We don't really want to admit for a very long time that there actually is an issue because then we'd have to do something about it. So a great way to tell if there is an issue is take a look at your banking, like take a look at your finances, see how much money are you spending on alcohol versus groceries? Yeah. Look, look at the numbers because numbers don't lie. They don't. You said something that Michelle, I thought was really powerful that we as women, some of us base our self worth on the people that love us that, you know, essentially the amount of love that we can claim from some or, or I don't know what the right word is, but <clears throat> my, my question is if, if our self-esteem, if we, if we crave to be loved, which trust me, I do, 
if if that's something that's important, why do we try to be loved by men who who can't love us in the way they need to? That they love the alcohol, they love the drugs, they go love the gambling or whatever it is. There's no way that we're really going to be able to compete with that. Mm-hmm. Why do we find ourselves in these in these traps? There's three reasons. Um, number one, it's very it is um, incredibly convenient to hide behind addiction. So if we select somebody that has an addiction, it all the attention, all of the drama, all of the change um, becomes about them, not about us. So we don't have to take personal accountability or responsibility for our baggage that we come into the relationship. It just becomes, if you were to just get sober, it would be so much better rather mm-hmm. than hey, you know what, I am a little codependent here and relying way too much, um, giving you way too much control over my decisions and my worth, right? So it's addiction is a very easy place to hide for both people, both parties. Mm-hmm. Um, the second reason is because there is an underlying belief that we are not worth real, true love, mm-hmm. that that's why we go for the jerks because the nice guys that treat us well, like I had boyfriends, I'm a smart woman. I, I had boyfriends that were treated me beautifully and you know what? I didn't, wasn't attracted to them. Why? Because I wasn't able to receive the love that they were offering me because I didn't believe it, that I deserved it. I didn't mm-hmm. love myself. And that's where I think a lot of us get lost is it, And that's where we focus on in our programs is that it is truly not about the addicted. It is all about learning to love ourselves entirely and completely for who we are today and not the version that we're trying to become tomorrow. It's embracing flaws and all flaws and gifts. And then if we can establish a true sense of confidence and courage, then we can sit in a foundation that makes very healthy choices. Then we can make the decision to say, is leaving or staying the right decision for me? And for each woman, it is very different depending on her circumstances, right? So those are the two top reasons. The third reason why we stay in relationships that, um, or we're attracted to relationships that are um, potentially abusive or do not provide us the love that we're looking for is because we believe the met the messaging that that addiction is telling us. So addiction is when you love somebody that suffers from addiction, you are essentially being rejected over and over and over again. They're choosing the bottle, pills, powder, pornography, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. over you all the time. And so you're constantly working harder to improve and to be better and going, you know, whether it's you try to get skinnier or you try to keep a cleaner house or you try to keep your kids better behaved or you, you try to be more pleasing or more agreeable or softer or quieter. All those, neg- those things that we tell ourselves we need to be better at, um, we exhaust ourselves because um, we believe that we're not 
um, that were worth the rejection, that were, um, that rejection is, is somehow a validation of all the negative beliefs that we came into the relationship with. Kind of uh, exactly what you're saying. I feel like I'm not a good person. And well, you just validated that for me. Mm-hmm. And, and because I feel now validated that I'm really not a good enough person, um, I don't have the strength to leave because who's ever going to want me? Mm-hmm. Totally. And so that's why a lot of women leave a marriage, get divorced, and then jump right into another marriage or another relationship that's just as equally dysfunctional as the first because they didn't do the work in between. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they didn't do the necessary um, remodel on themselves. Yeah reset to say, wait a second, I am a very intelligent woman. I deserve to be loved. I, because I have these many, many gifts, um, to offer and I am beautiful and I am unique and I might be a size 10 or I might have a learning disability or I might, um, you know, be more creative than analytical or whatever, but I'm completely okay and comfortable with that. And also when you get to that point, you tend to attract, uh, the right kind of people into your life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause addiction knows you walk around with a target on your back. Addiction is smart. It sees the women in the community that were, are willing to put, it tests you and to see are how, how much are you willing to put up with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not going to go for the woman who's going to, you know, nope. kick his, you know, kick him to the corner and say, "Are you kidding me?" Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's they're going to move. That addiction will get that message loud and clear right up front and move on to the next woman. You know, you you also talk in a way that I've never heard this issue uh, been talked about. We talk about. Um, women as we go through this as the victims, which, which we are, but you also bring to it an empowerment that we can do something about this, that we can have that revamp, that understanding, that, that, you know, self-reflection, that self-discovery of, why are we attracting these people into our life? What what do we need to work on to protect ourselves so that once we leave, this doesn't happen again? And the reason why the reason why, Michelle, I think that that is so important is because you have power to protect yourself from this happening again. And you have power to heal yourself, to be able to get the education, the support, and the strength to leave if that's the right thing that you think is for you and your family. Yeah, there, so there's a very popular saying in the addiction world that um, we are powerless over this disease. And I could not complete, I completely disagree with that. I think that is absolutely the wrong approach. I think we are absolutely powerful over this disease. I do not 
um, in our community, we're not victims, we're not martyrs, um, we're not helpless, and we do not need to wait for them to get sober in order to feel better. Mm-hmm. We absolutely have control over our reactions, over our happiness, and over our joy. And the moment that we start to say, um, listen, this is not about getting them sober. So you can forget that fantasy. Like, let's just say, let's stay in our own lane. Let's work on ourselves. Let's take a look in the mirror and go, where am I accountable? Where am I responsible? And where's my work? That's the moment that you get powerful. And that's the moment where your healing really begins. It's the moment you stop pouring in all this energy into addiction and worry and the anxiety and the helplessness of wondering if they're going to come home and if they're going to have a drink and if they're going to get high. The moment you quit that, shut that down and go, okay, so here's the deal. It's Friday night. I don't know if where his stash is and I don't care because tonight it's seven o'clock and I've got three hours till bed and I'm going to ask myself, what do I want to do tonight? What do I want to do tonight? In the next three hours, what would bring me joy? Do I want to bake? Do I want to go out with some friends? Do I want to put on some of one of my favorite movies, lock the door and eat some popcorn? What would make me happy? And that is the place where you need, where empowerment begins. This is so powerful. I want to ask you, and I don't know if you have the right answer or, or, or any answer, because I don't know, I, there is no right answer. And I'm, I'm, almost an, I'm almost a little bit nervous to ask it because I don't know what the answer might be. But how do you know when you do need to leave? Mm. Um, I, I know that it's, it's got to be for each person different. And for you, you talked about, you know, finally hitting your rock bottom. How can women recognize their rock bottom? And how can women know whether or not this is such an unhealthy relationship that they need to leave to protect themselves, you know, whether it's emotionally and and sometimes, unfortunately, we all know that, that addicts, tend to be the most frequent abusers. Mm-hmm. How do you know when to leave? Yeah, good question. Brilliant question and probably the most popular question in our community. Yeah. So, really simple. It's actually not complicated at all. I'll tell you when not to leave. Let's start there. Um, you don't want to leave if you are trying to manipulate them to get sober. And if I were talking to my community right now, like all of our hands would go up. If I said, have you done that before? Most of us would raise our hands and go, yeah, we have at least once. If we haven't physically left, we've threatened to leave. Um, Do we have any intention of following through with it? No. We're just trying to scare them to get sober, to get help. We're threatening them. And that never works because it's a manipulation. It might work the first or second time they might get sober it might buy you like a week or a month of sobriety but it's not long term and they're going to cry wolf because um or you're going to cry wolf too many times and they're going to catch on because addiction is smart 
and it's going to say, um, no, you're not really going to leave me. You can make those threats all you want to, but you'll come back no matter how many times. Like I cannot tell you how many times I was like, I'm done. And I got my car and literally like drove around for 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, I don't have a plan. I don't know where to go. And Mm -hmm. by the way, I'm still madly in love with this man, even though logically I shouldn't be. So I turn around and drive back into the garage with my head hanging low and feeling completely ashamed. So if you are not certain that leaving is the right decision for you, don't leave. Don't even waste your breath or your energy or your time. Here's what you do need to do. Um, if you're in an abusive relationship, which over 50% of men that go to rehab admit that they are physically violent to their spouse. So abuse, and there's not just like physical abuse. Like we've talked about, Stacey, there's financial abuse, there's mental abuse, spiritual abuse. There's all different types. So if you are in an abusive relationship, um, you need to have a bag that's packed that lives in your closet, period. You don't have to use it, but it needs to be there. And it needs to have your toiletry kit. You can go to Target and get, you know, little samples for $1. You can assemble your bag for essentially 10 bucks. It needs to have a change of clothes. And if you have kids, it needs to have your kids' clothes in there. This is your just backup emergency bag because addiction is unpredictable. And it does crazy stuff sometimes. So you need to know that you have important documentation in that bag you need to know that you at least have enough clothing and toiletries in there. So in case of emergency, you're covered for two to three days. You and your kids can just grab your bag and go. You have cash, you have credit cards, whatever in there. Um, The second thing I would say is you don't have to arrive at the decision to stay or go right now today. But like we started out with this interview, get prepared, get informed. It does not hurt to start dreaming of a life without addiction. Ask yourself important questions. Where would you live? Go drive around those neighborhoods looking for apartments or condos or homes. See, um, it, would you need to get employment? And if so, what does your resume look like? Do you need to take to some continuing education classes? Um, you know, where would your kids go to school? Are they in the school that you really want them to go to? Or is there a different alternative location that you would like them to be at? Start really daring to dream about your future without addiction. It doesn't mean you're not committing. You're not making a giant announcement that you're leaving. You're just imagining, giving yourself a free, safe space to imagine. So, I like I said, I started preparing for a year. I would wake up every morning before my kids or my husband was awake. I'd take it out a notepad. I'd make myself my favorite special coffee and I'd sit in a really comfy chair for an hour. And I spent a long time trying to figure out what did I want? Because for so long, all of our energy is getting poured into everyone else around us that we forget about our own dreams and our own desires. And then if you've done the work and you've prepared and you have a really good idea about your finances, you've answered the question, what does my life look like outside of addiction if I were to leave? Um, I promise you that a day will come and it will probably be a moment, not even a day, where 
you will have this epiphany and you'll be like, I'm done. It's done. It's mm-hmm. I've interviewed over 200 women on this topic. And most of us have said, we just arrived at this point where either we fell out of love or we've realized the abuse has now gone on to our kids. Like it's now directed towards our kids. And as mothers, that's our line in the sand mm-hmm. or infidelities happen. And that's our line in the sand, but you will arrive at that point and you will feel a sense of, of um, peace and a sense of conviction because you've prepared, you've done the work and you have a plan of where you're going to go. You're not just driving around the neighborhood or hanging out at a hotel for two nights. Mm-hmm. You'll have a plan. Yeah. Addiction is difficult because there are times when the person who, that your husband is, is saying, I don't have a problem. Mm-hmm. You're the one who has a problem. I don't have the problem. How do you know if he has a problem? Because, you know, you or I from the outside could look in and, you know, quickly quantify, no, he really does have a problem. This is, this is a big issue. But when you're living in it, you start to question yourself and question your, your own good judgment of, is this normal? Maybe it is. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe it really is me. Maybe this is normal for him to go out and drink and, you know, come home drunk six days a week. Um, you know, or he's doing, you know, just a little bit of cocaine on the side, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, becomes more than a little cocaine on the side. You know, what if you're in that situation where y- you don't know if, if this is really okay, or if this is just what everybody does? Okay. So the way to, the way to know if it's okay is to ask yourself, is it okay with me? Good question. Oh, comp- wow. Yeah. Yeah. Stop comparing um, stop comparing what other people are doing and just take self inventory and go, is this okay with me? Does this feel okay? And if it's not, then here's, I'll give you an example. So I'm remarried to a wonderful man who does not suffer from any types of addiction. We usually go out, we try to do a date night once a week. The other night we were out he had two drinks and usually two drinks is our max. Like we, we don't very rarely have three drinks. He comes home after two drinks and he pours himself another glass. I become triggered all of a sudden, which is very not, not normal for me, but for some reason it just kind of like ruffled my feathers a little bit. I looked at him and I said, Oh my gosh, Brian, you're having a third drink. I'm feeling that makes me feel really uncomfortable and I'm not sure why he Mm -hmm. looked me in the eye he took his glass, he walked over to the sink, and he poured it down the drain. And he's oh like, no God. problem. No problem, hon. I got it. I don't need this. And I thought to myself, that's how, wow. you, know you, don't have, that's how you know you don't have a problem. Because the guy that's willing to put your feelings ahead of his drinking or drugs, that's a guy with no, with no problem. 
the guy that's going to argue with you or justify it or tell you that it's you're being irrational, you're being dramatic, you're being crazy, that's the guy with the problem. Well, I'm nearly in tears because that I'm just so happy for you that you have a man in your life who shows that shows that you are more important than alcohol, that you are the most important thing in his life. And every woman, every woman deserves that. Something that is definitely clear is that getting through this is not easy. And so before we finish up, I I really, really want the women listening to know more about the work that you do. And so if you could just take a few minutes to to talk about that, Um, you have an amazing, amazing website some great resources because just like, as you said, you know, this is not something that you decide today and then, you know, you're out tomorrow that unfortunately this is something that you really need to think about and also prepare for and really educate yourself so that when you make that transition, if that transition is right, that you can do it in a way that's healthy and supportive for you and, and your family. Yes, absolutely. I, it's a process and it requires planning. And if you're going to do it right, then it takes time. Um, and thank you. Yes. So we have a community um, and we have lots of free advice. So we're at loveoveraddiction.com. We also have a podcast called uh, Love Over Addiction. And there's um, a new episode comes out every Monday. And um We have lots of free helpful tips on the website as well as some programs um, that can be done in the privacy of your own home or in your car where there's no childcare required, which was a huge thing for me. I couldn't go to meetings because I was like, who am I going to get to babysit my kids because I would come home and he would be drunk. And so that wasn't an option for me. So one thing I said is, Whatever we make, it has to be with moms in mind, that it's convenient. Mm -hmm. And so the programs can be done in the privacy of your own home or in your car. Um, And we have three three programs on boundaries and common mistakes and then our premier program. Um, We also have a secret Facebook group, which is filled with thousands of women that are such, I mean, these women are a force. They are, it's a safe place where you can go and be as real as you need to. And you go in there with your stories and you think nobody can understand. And Mm -hmm. every woman is comments and encourages and says, me too. Not only Mm -hmm. me too, but here's what worked for me and why. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's available 24 hours. So during a crisis, we're here for you. We've got your back. We're your sisterhood. You're not alone in this. You don't have to do this by yourself. And we do not do judgment. So everybody is welcome. And we're never going to tell you whether to leave or stay. We're just going to support you no matter what. And, um, and then we have scholarships. So for women that might, not, um, that might need some financial help, 
um, we have scholarships available. So it's just, it's a great community. And um, for those women that are interested, we actually have a free giveaway that we put together for your listeners, Stacy. They can find that at Love Over Addiction um, backslash Stacy. Oh my gosh. Now you, <clears throat> thank you so much. And, and I think that you had mentioned that you were going to um, be offering the 12 tips every woman and mother need to know when loving someone who drinks so much or too much or dr- suffers from substance abuse. So is that where people can yes. can access? So again, everyone who's listening, loveoveraddiction.com backslash Stacy, and that's S-T-A-C-Y, no E. Um, that's fantastic. And I know you also have a book. You're not tooting your own horn yet enough. But um, just so your listeners know, it's her book is ranked in the top 10 on Amazon, top 10 for codependency uh, in that area. And just so you have the, the name, it's called Love Over Addiction. So that's another great resource that isn't expensive to help women start to get a handle on where they're at where they want to go and the path that they want to take to get there. Yeah, absolutely. We just want to make women feel warm and welcome and empowered. Yeah. And that's the goal of this community because it's a lonely world out there and it tends to be very isolating and scary. So, mm-hmm. and Stacy, I just want to say before we go for those listeners, uh, you, you, my friend were amazingly pivotal in my healing I don't know if you, if they know, but I hired you and while I was, you were part of my preparation for my divorce. Mm-hmm. And not only did you help me get comfortable with my relationship with money and give me courage to say, Michelle, you know, you got to know the numbers. You can't do this without, without the prep work but you really helped me feel like everything was okay. And I've said this to you before, but I remember after every phone call with you, you would end it with, you're going to be okay. And I Mm -hmm. cannot tell you how much those words breathe life into me. They were, I just needed to hear that from another woman so badly. And you provided me amazing hope um, and strength that I really needed. So thank you for being a pivotal part in my healing. Thank you. I have to say, I, I feel so blessed to be able to do, to do this work and to know women like you. And I am just, I'm speechless right now because what you're doing is so important and so powerful. And I, I happened upon a really beautiful photo today of my my grandmother and I when she was still alive, and you know she lived the life of the um, alcoholic husband, and she she dealt with that her entire life, and she dealt with the abuse, and I am so comforted, and I am so happy that there is a place for women to go to have the support to to ask all these questions and so I just hats off to you I you kick ass and I'm I'm just really proud of you and 
I am so proud of this podcast because it's going to change the lives of thousands of women. It, mm-hmm. it really will. And we just, we can't put up with this anymore without taking a more active and role, a more active role about our decision, our decision that we make it and we make it consciously about whether we're staying or we're going. Um, so thank you so much. And for everyone uh, listening to Financially Ever After, uh, thank you for, for being here, for making the investment in yourself to, to be here. And know that all of the resources that we talked about today are going to be in the show notes. So please, please do visit those and take advantage of the the freebies that Michelle has so graciously and kindly offered. Um, really important, whether you're dealing with a relationship or if you have a dear friend that you know needs support. So please do, uh, please do listen in for our bi-weekly podcast. We would love to uh, hear from you also to see if you have any questions. And if you have any questions about your financial situation, um, please reach out to me. Um, I live my life truly. I live my life in honor of my grandmother. And the work that I am doing is my, my love letter to her. And I know that she is looking down and every single woman that gets smart about our finances and starts the process of slowly learning about everything she needs to learn about with regards to her money. I know grandma is up there and she doesn't swear like I do, but I know that she's, you know, saying some, some, you know, non-swear words for her, like, yay, awesome. Um, so, you know, I just want to, again, say thank you to you, Michelle, and thank you to our listeners. 